there, fellow Sojourners, and welcome back to another edition of Appropriate in the Culture. On today's episode, we discuss the RESPECT for Marriage Act and try to find out what it means to them through the lens of a Joe Rogan podcast. I'm Pastor Shane, and I'll be Aretha Franklin today as we sock it to the culture. So the fall of Western civilization continues apace. Gay marriage, which was even voted down in liberal California less than 15 years ago, is now well on its way to being enshrined in law with a veto-proof majority through the Respect for Marriage Act, and is a perfect demonstration of how culture can influence people and shape hearts and minds. The effect of the culture is clear. What was unthinkable even 20 years ago is now even supported by purported conservative politicians. And this must be a lesson for us. Just like Hemingway said of bankruptcy, the cultural effect on public opinion happens gradually, then suddenly. Gay marriage might feel like it came rapidly, but the seeds of it were planted decades ago through an intentional, methodical campaign in media to promote and destigmatize homosexuality. It worked. And the church needs to learn the lesson on the importance of cultural engagement in media. But the question that might come to mind is, why does it matter? Uh, what harm does it do that gays can get married? Now, I think very tangible harm could come. I think the most likely source of Christian persecution would come from this. For instance, the Solicitor General, when arguing in the Supreme Court on behalf of same-sex marriage, was asked by Justice Alito if religious universities who oppose same-sex marriage would lose their tax-exempt status, and the Solicitor General said, quote, It's certainly going to be an issue. I don't deny that. I don't deny that, Justice Alito. It's going to be an issue. And Senator Mike Lee, who was pushing for an amendment to the bill to bolster religious freedom provisions, outlines the issues with the legislation, saying, quote, Under the RFMA's current language, many religious schools, faith-based organizations, and other nonprofit entities adhering to traditional views of marriage would be at risk of losing tax-exempt status and access to a wide range of federal programs. Many small businesses would also be affected. For example, wedding vendors, including kosher caterers, would be subjected to endless lawsuits and harassment based solely on their beliefs. Without my amendment, the RFMA would only exacerbate and nationalize the discrimination policies already in place in Illinois, Massachusetts, California, and the District of Columbia, where religious adoption agencies are essentially shut down unless they recognize same-sex marriage. It would threaten the work of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops to provide foster care to unaccompanied alien children and place religious adoption agencies at risk of shutting down. His amendment didn't pass. I think that's real appreciable harm. But let's say it all works out. We acknowledge we're a pluralistic society. We adopt a live and let live philosophy. Religious liberty is protected. Gay marriage is protected. Then what's the harm? That's the discussion that was recently brought up on Joe Rogan's podcast with Matt Walsh. Here's some of that exchange. I just don't see how a gay marriage in any way damages a straight marriage. I don't, I don't see it at all. It doesn't make any sense to me. It just seems to me that people want to be... Look, if you, if you wanted to look at logic, especially in our modern society, which is pretty when it comes to relationships, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 50% of all marriages end in divorce anyway. They don't make it. You know, if, well, I don't know if anything would damage marriage and damage the institution of marriage is the option of divorce. I don't think gay people and gay people getting married in any way, shape, or form changes a bond that you have with your wife. It's just called marriage. 
It's a human invented thing. If we decide that gay people can get married too, I just don't see how it damages anything. I don't think it tears down the definition of marriage in any way. It just opens up the possibility that people who are gay won't be discriminated against. Now, obviously, there's a religious and Christian objection to gay marriage in biblical and moral terms. We can be against sin because it's sin. But there's still pragmatic and societal benefits to preserving marriage. The question, how does gay marriage affect your personal marriage, is like saying, how does devaluing the currency affect your personal bank account? Well, because I'm a part of society. The reason why marriage is not a private enterprise is because society has a vested interest in marriage. Marriage is the bedrock of civilization. It's the framework for stability and procreation and childrearing. It's the union that creates emotionally, physically, psychologically healthy future generations to be productive members of society. That's why the state has a vested interest in marriage. The natural union of a man and a woman produces something that is not only beneficial, but is vital to society. Now, Joe, of course, is correct that divorce has been absolutely devastating to marriage and devastating to society. No-fault divorce has been incredibly harmful and destructive to society and human flourishing. Broken families cause poverty, crime, mental and psychological trauma, and a whole host of well-documented issues. But there is a direct connection between how we view marriage and divorce rates. Part of the reason gay marriage is harmful to straight marriage is because of how it improperly defines marriage. Listen to how Joe defines marriage here. And so I don't think it should be outlawed because 50% of the people fall apart. Just like I don't think it has any effect whatsoever on a straight couple if a gay couple decides that they want to make it official. And that's what it is to them. It, it gives them a feeling that, that they're accepted and appreciated and that they're not discriminated against because they happen to be homosexual. So well, what you're articulating to me is the damage that's done by gay marriage to the institution of marriage. But how is it done? How is that because, in any way damaged straight people? Because we are making the institution meaningless. But it's not meaningless. Well, but you it's just very said, meaningful to the people that have it. Subjective, symbolic, and it's about your own personal feelings. Isn't it, though? Isn't it, though? That'd be a huge surprise to thousands of years of arranged marriages. Now, look, obviously marriages that are good are personally fulfilling and gratifying. I love my wife and I love being married. But because Joe accepts gay marriage, he characterizes, he defines, and reduces marriage to feelings and personal fulfillment. And if that is the purpose of marriage, if that is the societal value of marriage, then as soon as you stop feeling fulfilled in marriage or validated or personally gratified, well, then what's the point of being married? Marriage is only about my personal feelings. So the moment I'm unhappy, see ya. You're lamenting divorce and the harmful effects of divorce on society, but you're not seeing how your definition of marriage contributes to that. The reason gay marriage harms traditional marriage, otherwise known as marriage, is because it improperly defines marriage. It separates desire from duty and reduces marriage to nothing but personal gratification and fulfillment. And if we define marriage as personal fulfillment, that makes divorce more likely, not less likely. Furthermore, the state is not in the business of making you feel good about yourself. That's not why we issue marriage certificates. Tax credits for marriage is not conditioned on whether or not your marriage is happy. That's not a box you actually have to check. 
because the societal purpose of recognizing and fostering marriage is about what that particular union produces for society. And gay marriage in its natural state is incapable of producing that. So what it offers society is negligible and overall harmful. Next clip. Um, but don't you think that people should have the freedom to live their life in that way? I think human beings vary widely in a huge way. And I think there's some human beings that find a very fulfilling life just reading books and traveling and experiencing different things and seeing art and doing whatever the they want to do. And they don't necessarily have to have kids to live a fulfilling life that way. And if they choose to do that with someone who they have a loving bond with and who they get married to, I don't think it's a bad thing that they don't want to have kids. Well, I think... I guess we have to maybe we're running into a, a question of of you know now you get to the real fundamental question. I think it's like a what, fundamental freedom thing. Yeah, it, 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 we're not disagreeing, I guess, on the freedom aspect of it because again, I'm not saying that you should be required to have kids. Well, so, but you're imposing your sensibilities and what you think is important in life to other people. But everybody has a different idea of what's I'm important not, in I'm life not, without hurting anyone. The thing is like. What I'm saying is these people that are that are married, that don't have children, they're not harming anyone. They're not harming these unborn children that they never have. They're not harming anyone. And it doesn't affect your relationship with your family and your marriage at all. Yeah, but and I'm it, also not, I'm not imposing myself on them or harming them by answering a question about, about right. how I feel about their choices. Right, but nor are gay people doing that to you. I if, think the, I, the harm comes from on a societal level, when we start breaking down these basic uh, central institutions, like the, the institution of the, of the family and of marriage, that's where the harm, harm comes from. And the, the more that people believe, the more that we build a society where it's believed that marriage is objectively meaningless, right? It's, it's entirely subjective. It's just, about, it's just about making you feel better. Um, the more that we build a society like that, I think the, that's where the harm comes in, the, wor the worse it is. And people are going to reject marriage, um, and, uh, and that means more, you know, fewer kids are being born. Also, more kids are being born in a context where they don't have that stable family structure. So the harm definitely comes. Correct. And at some level, we are going to discriminate. We are going to make distinctions when it comes to permissibility and societal acceptance when it comes to marriage. If we're not going to impose Matt Walsh's sensibility of marriage— Whose sensibilities are we going to impose? Yours, Joe? Because at some point, we will and do impose our sensibilities on the definition of marriage. That's what defining is. Defining necessarily puts restrictions and makes distinction. Why is marriage between two people? Why? If we're accepting gay marriage, why not polygamy? Polygamy has far, far greater historic precedent than gay marriage, and polygamy is still practiced in many places around the world. Why are you imposing your sensibilities on others, Joe Rogan, you bigot? After all, how does polygamy hurt your marriage? Or how about incestual relationships? What about two siblings? Maybe you'd point to inbreeding as being biologically harmful, but as you said, marriage isn't necessarily about procreation, so why would that matter? Or what if it's two brothers, or a boy and his postmenopausal grandmother? Is it okay if we as a society impose our sensibilities and say no to that? If so, why? Because it grosses you out? Gay marriage grosses me out. So do some straight marriages for that matter. What's the standard for imposing our sensibilities? And you can't say this is just a slippery slope. 
50 years ago, gay marriage would have been unthinkable. Now, a veto-proof majority is voting in favor of it. And there's no shortage of unconventional marriages. An Indonesian man married his rice cooker. A Japanese man married an anime character. In India, a man married his dead girlfriend. An American man married a can of hard Mountain Dew. A Korean man married his pillow. And it's not just weirdo men. A woman in Brazil married a rag doll. This woman married a ghost. Several women have married themselves. Another lady married her cat. And a British woman married a dolphin. I'm not sure how much more down the slope we can slip than a man marrying a can of Mountain Dew. But how can we tell them to not do the do without imposing our sensibilities on them? And if marriage is nothing more than personal validation and totally subjective and just about your personal feelings, then how can we put any restrictions on it? After all, if a man wants to take you to the next level with a rice cooker, how does that harm your marriage? The entire problem of gay marriage is it obliterates the definition of marriage and provides no limiting principle. Christian marriage is biblically limited, and traditional marriage can be logically tethered to pragmatic benefits of society at large. But gay marriage has as much societal value as a woman marrying her cat. If you want to be libertine and say in a free society, you should be able to marry whomever or whatever you want. Okay, but a society is under no obligation to validate or promote such unions. All right, that'll do for today. As usual, if you like what we're doing here, then help spread the word. Like, share, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave a comment. Follow me on Instagram. Join my author's Facebook page. Be proactive. Do all the things. And I'll see you next week for more Appropriate in the Culture. Mm -hmm.